In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol, has a, a Christmas past and a Christmas present that are transformative to Ebenezer Scrooge. He experiences this Christmas past of his own past when he was working for old Fezziwig in the shop. The spirit shows him old Fezziwig spending a little bit of money and having a Christmas party. And Ebenezer is able to see himself in his youth and the joy that he had at Fezziwig's shop and in uh, this party. And the spirit is nonplussed. He says, what's the big deal? He spent a few pounds of your money. What's such a big deal about that? And Ebenezer says, it's not the money. It's not the party games or the favors. It's the joy that Fezziwig brings. It's his life. It's his enthusiasm. It's his joy. And especially as somebody who's a supervisor or somebody who's over another person, to be under somebody who has joy and who is exuberant and enthusiastic about their life is so attractive and it is freeing and joyful and it can make any kind of mundane and simple work to be joyful. And then the spirit of Christmas presence takes him to another Christmas party, this one that Ebenezer hadn't been to, a present of the Cratchits, the poor Cratchit family. And in their, their poor and meager house with their simple foods and their um, threadbare clothes, but the love that they have for one another, the, the comfort that they take, the compassion that they have for one another, and the way that they show that love and compassion and protection for one another is uh, transformative for Scrooge and the way that he sees himself. We have a Christmas past that we read about in Isaiah chapter 52. This is a Christmas past, a past where Christ is being proclaimed, when his coming is being promised, when his reign is being extolled, that he is the God who reigns. And this is something that we forget from our Christmas past to our detriment. We forget that God is king. We start to get confused and think that there are other people who are king, that there's governments that are in control, or that there's politicians, or that there's businessmen who are in control. And when we forget that God reigns, we forget to whom we belong, and we forget the story. We forget the plot. Your God reigns. And what it means to have God reigning is that um, he finds beauty in his reign and in his people. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. When we participate in the good news that God reigns, even our feet are beautiful upon the paths that we walk. When we walk along a sidewalk or in a store or at school and we are sharing good news that God reigns, our feet are beautiful. And when we walk according to God's will, we don't walk in haste. It's so easy to get busy, to get rushed, to feel like an anxiety 
that we have to move quickly from one thing to the next, and we do that when we forget that God reigns. Because when we know that God is king and that he is the general on the battlefield, we are waiting for him. We're in formation. We're lined up. We're careful about our place. We're listening for the battle cry. We're listening for the call of the general. And we're acting on his command. And a soldier can move fast and quick, but never in haste. Never out of anxiety or fear. He's acting in response at the right pace at the right time to the call of the king. And when we're waiting upon the call of the king, we can act fast, but we never act in haste or rushed, and we never go in flight. But we are remembering that the Lord goes before us and that he is our rear guard. In modern parlance, he's got your back. He's giving the call to battle, and he's watching your back. The Christmas present is that grace upon grace is with us right here and right now. I didn't grow up going to Christmas Day service, so when we started to celebrate Christmas Day, uh, when we first entered ministry in 2005, I was a little bit surprised to find John's gospel as the Christmas Day reading. We think of the Luke chapter 2 gospel about the angels and the shepherds and keeping watch at night and the manger in Bethlehem. And those are the images that we expect. And then all of a sudden on Christmas Day, we get this um, exposition from John about God being light and about uh, Christ creating the world and that he is the light that he brings back into the world and that he gives us grace. Grace is the perfect Christmas present. I've had some pretty good Christmas presents. I had a bike that I like to look at as much as I like to ride. I couldn't decide whether I wanted to look at it or ride it. If my parents had let me sit on it at the dinner table, I would have. If I could have ridden it into the classroom, I would have done that. I remember parking it in front of my grandparents' house and thinking, wouldn't it be nice to bring it inside? I'd like to sit with it right next to me. When I got a pocket uh, knife, there weren't enough things to cut. I was walking around with it in my pocket looking for opportunities. Does anybody have a knot? A package that needs to be undone? a bow you're working on, my pocket knife is ready to go into action. They weren't enough. They weren't enough. I wanted more. Grace is enough. God's grace is a present that shines within our hearts and upon our faces and teaches us every moment how to act and what to do. Again, part of that joy of the biker, of the knife, was that there was a, an adventure to be had. There was a role to play. There was a, a superhero quality to, to freedom and having power and being able to act and being useful. 
We all have that desire deep in our hearts to be that superhero who can save the day and who can be useful and who has a life of meaning and purpose that other people can look up to and depend upon, right? To make them safe and to, to bring them good things. When we read grace upon grace, we should be thinking about a thing. The Shekinah glory of God that shone upon the face of Moses, that shone back upon his people, is a power, a real uncreated light and power that lives in our hearts. And that grace, that glory, that power is real, a real thing more real than these chairs or those walls or our cars it resides within us, and at any moment that we turn to it and we remember it, the way that we remember the knife in the pocket or the bike out front, brings power to our hearts and to our minds, brings joy and peace and resolve so that we are ready to act, again, not in haste, but upon the call of God. Every one of us has a purpose. Every one of us has a plan for our lives to be useful, to be noble, to be brave, to be helpful, to be kind. We each have a story that God is calling us and he has given us the perfect Christmas present, which is the power to do those things. And it doesn't grow old. It doesn't decay. You can't lose it. Tires don't go flat. The knife blade does not grow dull. Everything else fades away. The Christmas yet to come is in Hebrews. He says in chapter 1, verse 10, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. The work of your hands. God made these things, and they will what? They will perish. All of creation will perish. Every physical thing that we have will fade and decay. Rivers will dry up. Mountains will crumble. Valleys will be filled in. All things will come to an end. But you remain. They will wear out like a garment. All of creation is like a robe that God has made for himself to wear, for beauty, for love. And it will fade. And he will roll up creation like an old robe that has been worn and useful. He will roll it up, and then they will be changed. In the Christmas yet to come, the Lord will remake heaven and earth. He will take that which has been old, that which has been used and faded, and he will roll it up, and he will remake it for his purpose, because his purpose has no end. His desire to dwell with us in paradise will be fulfilled. That is his plan. 
That is his promise, and it will not go away. These things will go away, but our dwelling, tabernacling with God, will not. The Christmas yet to come, the Scrooge sees, is a maybe. Maybe it will come. Maybe it won't. He sees the death of tiny Tim. And he cries out to the spirit, will the child die? Will this really happen? Is this sure and fixed, or can it be changed? And he sees the, the family gathered, and Bob Cratchit's tears. But he encourages his family. He has no despair. He has sorrow, but hope. And they tease Peter, the older boy, about going off and getting a family of his own and leaving them. And Bob says, that may come, a day when we're lost, but none of us will forget Tiny Tim. None of us will forget his presence and his love with us. And he says, we had better never forget his goodness so that any time that we are tempted to fight with one another, we'll remember his goodness. We have a child that we will never forget, the divine Christ child. His goodness, his life, though he died too young, will never, ever be forgotten by us. And though we may go away and our paths may never cross again, we will be joined together by the truth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by the reminder that he is our light, he is our grace, he is our God, he is our King, and his promise will never fade or grow old. His Christmas gift to us is ever new and always good. Amen. Amen.